Hello, listeners. So today's podcast is going to be a little different than what we normally do because, well, we're talking about how one grows an ed tech company, and we're going internally at EdSurge to get some answers. So, Blake, have you heard of the podcast called Startup? Yeah, I am a big fan. It's an inside look into starting all kinds of businesses, and in the first season, the producers profile their own company, Gimlet Media, and its origins. Tensions run high with money, personalities, investors, and, of course, failure. At the end of the season, they're dealing with a company that's trying to retain its soul as more people join. So our podcast today is sort of going to be like a microcosm of that. On Friday, June 3rd, EdSearch had a big company offsite to discuss the past, present, and future of the company. And one big part of the conversation is company growth. When an edtech startup moves from 20 employees to 50 employees, how does it change the culture? And what new questions does it bring about? We talk to our editorial team, R&D team, concierge team, and more to hear about the ups and downs of company growth and what other edtech startups and companies should remember when they're going through these motions. All that and more is coming at you right now. I'm Blake Montgomery. And I'm Mary Jo Maddath. Welcome to the EdSearch Podcast. Let's get started. CoLab, an accelerator for educational games startups, is shutting its doors after five cohorts. Executive Director Esteban Sosnik didn't offer a specific reason, but he did say that new companies are disrupting the industry from the bottom up, but that parents prefer free over quality. This week, we've got three new writers and four new entries for Ed Surge's 50 States project from Indiana, Oregon, and Puerto Rico. Who wrote twice? Glenda Lozada of Puerto Rico in both English and Spanish. Check out all of those accounts on edsurge.com. Hey, rural school district administrators and teachers, if your internet is expensive, slow, or non-existent, you may want to take advantage of this offering. First launched last year, the Farm Bill Broadband Loans and Loan Guarantees Program offers loans to fund the cost of the construction, improvement, facilities, or equipment needed to create broadband infrastructure in eligible rural areas and communities. The 2016 application window closes on July 7th. The adage, try before you buy, applies to purchasing clothes and cars. EdTech buyers aren't usually so lucky. The company Clever hopes to make EdTech piloting easier. Since March, the San Francisco startup has helped a dozen companies and 18 schools run 30-day EdTech tool trials. With more than 53,000 schools and 220 companies currently using the Clever platform, this program, called the Co-Pilot Program, could not only help facilitate more pilots, but purchases as well. First, it was Summit Public Schools, then it was Alt School. Now, Lindsay Unified School District is joining the pack of school systems, franchising its school model out to other educators. Lindsay is a rural district located south of Fresno, California, that's won over one influential supporter, the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, which gave the district a grant to train other school leaders in running competency-based learning models. The personalized debate has been going back and forth on EdSurge, but now it's beginning to spread elsewhere in the digital orbit. This week, education blogger Annie Murphy-Paul responded to Ben Riley's article, Bursting the Personalized Learning Bubble. And she added her own two cents explaining why educators should acknowledge that, quote, children are more alike than different in how they think and learn. And now, 
it's time for Kitchings. Tinker, which offers visual coding classes for young children, has raised a $7.1 million Series A round from Reach Capital, GSV Capital, NEA, John Katzman, Deborah Quazo, and others. Founded in 2012 in Mountain View, California, the company claims to have reached 32 million students in 50,000 schools, and it's added a slew of partners as it becomes a bigger player in the annual Hour of Code event. Skillshare, which offers a platform to take and create video-based lessons, has raised $12 million in Series B funding. Leading the round are Amasia and Omidyar Network, with Union Square Ventures and Spark Capital also participating. Blackboard's latest acquisition is Sequoia Retail Systems, a provider of point-of-sale systems used in university bookstores, cafeterias, recreation centers, and other campus-based services. Terms of the deal were not disclosed. All right, so growth. It's something that most companies want, more manpower, more support, more money. But how do companies handle it internally? Every few months, a news outlet will post an article called How to Deal with Growing Pains or Structural Considerations for Growing Your Business. How does it look for an edtech company, though? There are outlets that suggest that that growth period for 30 to 70 employees definitely can be tough. And Ed Surge is actually in that space right now with about 50 team members. So we decided to talk to some of our teammates to hear their thoughts about how to handle that tough growth period and those things that startups should do, or even more importantly, avoid. Okay, I'm here with Alice Meyerhoff. Alice, what is your role at Ed Surge? I have a fancy title. It's VP of Sales. So basically she, she brings in the money is what she's saying. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, Alice, you've been here at EdSearch now for how many years? Two and a half-ish. Okay. So in that time, how many people were here when you first started? I think we were about 20. Okay, so now we've basically doubled. Yes. And I assume that there have probably been some changes that you've noticed. So, you know, what do you think are the pros and the cons of going through a big company growth period? Pros would be it's exciting, right? And getting more people doing different things, kind of spread the workload out is helpful, right? Because when we were 20 people, I know it was the same for you too. It felt like we were all wearing 10 hats and now we're down to five. So that's a positive. Um, on the negative side, I would say, you know, it's harder to feel like such a close, close tight-knit family, right? Like um, it felt before, it felt like a we all knew each other pretty well, and it was very cozy, and now it's harder to know everybody the same way, but we're going to our offsite today. That is true. So hopefully that will help. Are you excited about our offsite? Yeah. <laughs> so one thing I know that we're talking about today at the offsite is, you know, how do all of these different teams kind of stay in touch with, with each other? Do you have any tips or things that you recommend for how different branches of a growing company can sort of stay in tune with one another's products or initiatives? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, being in the role that I am, right, the sales department touches a bunch of different groups. So we're sort of uh, a group, but a non-group too. So in fact, today at the offsite, like I think we're going to be split off into other groups because we're focused on different products. Um, you know, in terms of how to stay in touch better I think it's it's a matter of you know finding those times to talk when it's not necessarily about a project even right like just 
things come up in those casual conversations and you realize, well, actually we could be doing this this way or, you know, that this is an idea of a, a new thing that we could do. Um, so even those casual moments are important. Awesome. So last question. You, like you said, touch on all the different teams. How do you find yourself either needing or getting resources that might be hard to come by with a bigger team like this? You know, it's so funny. So I'm going to sort of not answer your question. But because... <laughs> I don't know what you mean by that. But um, Well, so for example... Uh, we talked about this yesterday. So I've been pushing since I've been here to do reader surveys mm-hmm. and, um, you know, not, not necessarily getting resistance per se, but not, no one really kind of jumping on board with my, my thing mm-hmm. that I needed. Mm-hmm. And then just in the last couple of weeks, I kind of pushed forward, um, and just did it and passed it off to, you know, editors to include in the newsletters and stuff. And I was, kind of amazed at how easy it was to actually get it done just by doing it myself and that's a very startup-y approach right like two years ago that would have been more likely to happen I was surprised it was actually that easy to make it happen this time yeah. and I felt victorious oh good well I'm very happy you felt victorious thank you so much for talking with us Alice <laughs> sure so Augustine you founded this company you've seen it go through a lot of different growth periods what is your reaction to all of this growth how do you feel about it So obviously you you're overwhelmed with emotion. So what do you think is the hardest thing about growing a company? I don't want to lose my voice. The hardest thing, um, I think probably the hardest thing is to um, keep the keep the the sense of family as you grow um, and keep your sanity as well. <laughs> Have you struggled to keep your sanity at EdSearch? Oh, I've, I've lost it a while back. <laughs> Do you consider that a, b- a good thing or a bad thing? Um, no, nah, neither. Neither. What do you think is the biggest difference between how EdSearch used to function and how it functions now? Jeez, um, that's kind of hard to... Uh, it's too early in the morning. I need more caffeine, but uh, I... <laughs> I think definitely uh, now, uh, as you grow, you need to put you know a little bit more um, more structure and things um, um, things that work well in small team where you are a little more dynamic need to be a little more um, a little more process, more intentional around how you communicate with each other, how do you interact with each other. How do you work with distributed teams? Um, it, and um, so that that's that's one of the biggest bigger changes I think uh, in that respect. And I have one last question: How has your how has your beard changed over the last five years? My beard has gone through many iterations. It's a it's a it's a work of art. It's a it's it's a uh, actually, that's an understatement. It's more, uh, it's more a sort of natural uh, insanity progression. But um, thanks for asking. You're welcome, Augustine Velasquez.
Okay, I'm <laughs> I'm sitting here with Leonard Medlock. Leonard, what is your official title at EdSurge? I know this is kind of a tough question to ask. Generalist. He's a generalist. What what is entailed in that general area? <laughs> I'm the director of the concierge team. But you also have a lot of other skills. What are the things that you do? I do what needs to get done to move my team forward. So, okay, I, I, <laughs> uh, public speaking, moderating, uh, program design, front end web development, uh, design thinking, um, process improvement, systems engineering, and whatever else I need to learn to get the job done. And you've been on the team, I think, since September. September 2011 or something like that? Yep, it's been about five years. Okay. So when when you first started, I mean, you were pretty much part of the founding team. So you've seen EdSearch go through a lot of different phases. Right. Uh, what do you think are the, the benefits and the difficulties of growing from, you know, six people to 40 people? Um, I think... I, I think the benefit... Well, it depends on how you look at it, right? From the from the business's perspective, I think it's it's a positive sign um, because it simply means there's enough work that the current folks can't all do it themselves without going crazy. Um, I think internally, the positive thing um, is that you you de- you develop more talent and you develop your organization, and I think that's kind of a cornerstone in that search that. Everyone comes in with some set of skills, but they don't leave with those same set of skills. Uh, so to me, growth means uh, talent development as well. Uh, on the con side, I think there is, um, of course, nostalgia from my perspective of when we had no structure whatsoever. Um, but also, I think you recognize that things have to change. And it's weird because I feel like I'm probably more comfortable with growth than most people because I've seen it change so much already so it doesn't scare me when another five or ten people join the company um, it's just something you have to deal with the other thing that's more practically it just gets hard to communicate you know explain that a little bit more so how did how does it get more challenging to communicate well you know when there's when there's five people well it's about establishing norms right so when there's five people you sit at the same table and you talk to each other out there then when there's 10 people, you sit at three tables right next to each other and you talk to all, the, all day. And then when there's 20 people, you sit in the room full of tables, but you still talk to each other all day. And then when you get up to 40, 50 people, not everyone's always there. Um, not everyone... Um, uh, people start having more specialized roles, and so they don't necessarily see it as their job to sit around and talk about everything that's happening in the company. Uh and there's institution, institutional knowledge that has to be rebuilt over and over and over again. And so even yesterday is a great example. We just um, had Evo join our team, which is amazing. Who's Evo? Evo uh, is working on our, our premium concierge offerings, and he's the former uh, chief innovation officer for New Jersey State Department of Education. Uh, but it was interesting because he was in our lab, which is a kind of a team-wide day-long event that we have every week and uh, it was great for us because he was asking good questions and validating some of our previous ideas but on the flip side of that we had to take a lot of time to set the context for him um, so with every new person you still have to set that context again if we have another Evo join next week we have to set that context again we can't just assume 
that they understand all of the the nuts and bolts. Do you think that the message and that onboarding changes as the company gets bigger, that the, the process and what you actually have to onboard them with is different for the 40th person versus like the 20th person? I would like to think that you get better at it uh, for the people who are already in the company and responsible for onboarding. I don't know that it has to be a different process or a different thing. Um, or let me say it differently. I don't, I don't I don't know that it gets better in the sense that just because it changes, it's better than it was before. I think it changes because the company is changing. And so, you know, when we, when we welcomed employees 30 through 40, it was because we were essentially rolling out two and a half new business units with an S-Search. Um, and so it made no sense to onboard a higher ed person like an editorial person or R&D person, like a concierge person, or so on and so forth. It's just the company is changing, so onboarding is going to change. Awesome. Any last thoughts about growth and tips for other companies as they're growing in size and, you know, having culture shifts or whatnot? Um, well, I'm no expert, but so let me put a disclaimer out there first. Uh, if people do think I'm an expert, uh, publishers call me, we can write a book. Uh, but I, I do think that from a culture perspective, it's important for Karen employees to know what's really um, important to keep in the company culture, but also be flexible and forgiving enough to leave some things behind and allow new employees to contribute to that culture. Awesome. Thank you very much, Leonard. Thank you. So I'm sitting here with Michael Winters, who is the product manager for our Ed Surge Index. Uh, yeah, Michael, sure. how many people were on the team when you first started here? It's very... Uh, about 20, I think. Okay, and how much is it right now? About 40, I think. So it's doubled in size, which is pretty substantial. So can you tell me, how does the company culture change when things start to grow that rapidly? Oh, that's a good question. Um, everyone on the bus is listening to me answer this, I feel like. Um, I think actually everybody's sleeping. Oh, that <laughs> sounds the same in my yeah. ears. It, it definitely changes things. Um, I remember when I first started about two years ago, um, Ed Surge was like just getting to the point where uh, not everybody could have a say in every decision. And I, I remember arriving and, and a couple times like the, the I was working on the Summits team and the Summits team decided something and then someone else would come over and be like, Hey, wait, like, I didn't get a say in that. And it'd be like, yeah, you're not in the Summits team. <laughs> of course you didn't get a say in that. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think as, as the company continues to grow, it continues to get kind of more siloed like that. Like, different people are responsible for individual decisions, and, and fewer people have a say in those decisions. Um, and that's not... Um, you know, there's there's good and bad things about that. Um, the the bad thing is I think most people have a less of a, a full view of what's happening at Ed Surge. But the good thing is that you know, the people making summits decisions today are the people who think about summits five days a week, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to you know, when I started when we were thinking about summits half the time. Are there are there any things that happened that you were surprised to see when we grew, you know, basically doubled in size? Uh, I. I think I was surprised at how quickly we outgrew our space. Mm. Um, I, I kind of I expected us to be able to 
to fit into our, our, our space for longer than, than we did, and, and we definitely, we, we, we've outgrown it a, a lot. <laughs> it seems like everybody's too, has started to kind of get into their own groove. You know, teams are finding out when they want to be together versus working at home versus the same office. Um, how do you feel about now, you know, trying to find the resources that you need to help you at, at Surge? Is it easier? Is it harder? So I, I think personally for me, I don't think it's gotten any harder. Um, what I do, what I do think about it and what I'm concerned about is, is if you're a person who started at Ed Surge a month ago or, or, or at any point in 2016, um, you just, there are certain people that you probably don't see depending on your schedule. Um, so you know, maybe if, if I started uh, in January and I'm on the, the higher ed team, probably I only see you, Mary Jo, like once a week on mm-hmm. Thursdays. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I don't necessarily know. or And so that person doesn't necessarily know to go to you for help. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel lucky that I have been here long enough that I, I feel like I, I, I know and I know everybody really well. But um, I, I think we, we need to think about how to give uh, people who have been here less time that same advantage. Awesome. Thank you so much, Michael. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to us talking about us. But seriously, a company's growth is kind of odd. Everything is changing. I haven't even been here a year, and I can already see it. Yeah, I've definitely read that 30 to 70 employees is one of the hardest transition times for a company. You think it's true? I do, actually. Why? Well, because for a lot of startups, it's the first time that they have to implement, you know, more traditional business structure. Up to 30 people, everybody does a bit of everything. But after that, you need more organization, you need teams, the separation between each person grows, and, you know, there's a big, bigger distance that may happen. You have more than one office location, things like that. Well, those things seem true at EdSurge. Listeners, we'll follow up sometime later and let you know how all this growth is going. One more thing, podcast listeners, we're still doing our best to get to know you, so we'd love for you to fill out that survey that we put out. Go to bit.ly slash edsurgeonair. That's bit.ly slash edsurgeonair, all one word, to fill out our three-question survey. And with that, I'm Mary Jo Matta. And until next time, I'm Blake Montgomery. We'll see you next week. This is the Ed Surge Podcast.